0: Welcome, January 23rd, year of our Lord, 2024. So glad you could join us. I'm Pastor Adi Verde. This is Concafe. We're looking at Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and it's going to take us from verse 1 of chapter 8 all the way to verse 13 of chapter 8. And for this particular devotional, I used, surprise, surprise, the message version of the Bible. In a devotional, we're calling to eat or not to eat idle meat. (laughs) And uh, you'll see why in a minute as we get into God's Word. You ready to get into God's Word? I am. Verse 1. Question keeps coming up regarding meat that has been offered up to an idol. Should you attend meals where such a meat is served or not? We sometimes tend to think that we know all we need to know to answer these kinds of questions, but sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. Take a note of that. We never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows all. Amen to that. Some people say, quite rightly, that idols have no actual existence, that there's nothing to them, that there is no God other than our God that no matter how many of these so-called gods are named and worshipped, they still don't add up to anything but a tall story. They say, again, quite rightly, that there is only one God the Father, that everything comes from Him, and that He wants us to live for Him. Also, they say, that there is only one Master, Jesus the Messiah, and that everything is up for His sake, including us. Yes, it's true. In strict logic, then, nothing happened to the meat when it was offered up to an idol. It's just like any other meat. I know that, and you know that. But knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. We need to be sensitive to the fact that we're not all at the same level of understanding in this. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idle meat (laughs) and and are sure that there's something bad in that meat that then becomes something bad inside of you. And imagination and conscience shaped under those conditions isn't going to change overnight. But fortunately, God doesn't grade us on our diet. Thank God for that. We're neither commended when we clean our plate nor reprimanded when we just can't stomach it. But God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in the way that leads a Christian still vulnerable to those old associations to be thrown off track. For instance, say you flaunt your freedom by going to a banquet thrown in honor of idols, where the main course is meat sacrificed to idols. Isn't there great danger if someone still struggling over this issue, someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature, sees you go into that banquet? The danger is that he or she will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up himself himself or herself in what his conscience tells him it's wrong or tells her that it's wrong. Christ gave up his life for that person wouldn't you at least be willing to give up going to dinner for him or her because, as you say, it doesn't really make any difference? But it does make a difference if you hurt your friend terribly, risking his or her eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here and there isn't worth it at the cost of even one of these weak ones. So never go to these idle, tainted meals. If there's any chance, it will trip up one of your brothers or sisters. This, dear friend, is the word of God. For the people of God, we say, gracias a Dios. Thanks be to God. Well, dear friend, blessings upon blessings for you as you spend time with God on this Tuesday. May this be a time dedicated to listening to God and receiving from God that which can bless us for His service and for His glory. Some time back... When I was still in seminary, two of my professors shared or confessed that they had gone to a Hare Krishna event. I don't know quite what the word is that identifies worship or whatever they do when they gather as Hare Krishnas. But they said that when they entered the room in this basement of this building, there was a big table with flowers and all kinds of food on it. At the very edge of the table, there was a big bowl, popcorn. <laughs> and being seminary professors, they walked right over to that bowl of popcorn and helped themselves to it. <laughs> this was a no-no to the Hare Krishnas, and they were told so in a curt manner. Well, today's passage is not about popcorn, but one can't help but wonder the implications about consuming popcorn dedicated to the deity of the Hare Krishna's and the matter before us brought to us by the Apostle Paul, as was going on in that city of Corinth. That was indeed a very, should I say, more serious (laughs) matter. Now, here's the scene. Imagine being a Christian in that time of Paul, and you live there in Corinth, and you go to the marketplace, El Parian. And you're easily overwhelmed by the fabrics, the spices, the knickknacks, the toys, the fruits, the vegetables, and the meats. The meats, you know, have all been dedicated to idols during pagan worship. Now, as a Christian believer in the one true God, you wonder about what this would mean to your spirit and your life, not to mention your diet ultimately, if you knowingly ate that meat offered up to an idol. But friends, this isn't just about food. It's about a clash of values, about navigating freedom and responsibility, and ultimately, hear this, ultimately about love. Let's dive into this passage and discover the timeless lessons it holds for us today. We know it's our freedom to eat what we want to eat. We have that freedom. But as Paul said, and I'm quoting, if someone with weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Close quotes. Now the danger in our exercising our freedom We must consider the impact our decision will have on others, especially those whose faith might be still fragile. Our actions, even if fueled by good intentions, can become stumbling blocks for others. Now, the ultimate question isn't about the meat itself, but about the price we're willing to pay for a meal. Think about this. Is our personal freedom worth causing a brother or sister to stumble? Paul says no. Quoting, So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Close quotes. The weight of this statement hangs heavy. The cost of our choices can be measured in the spiritual well-being of others. People are watching us when we say we are Christians or when they come to our church. When they know we've been in the faith longer than they have they're watching and they're hoping to learn the good from our actions about what's good to them so paul is on the right track and we should be as well here's the answer paul proclaims the answer is it restriction but love i'm quoting again therefore if what i eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin i will never eat meat again so that i will not cause them to fall Another version of the verse 13. This isn't about legalism. It's about a radical commitment to putting the needs of others above our own Mm -hmm. desires. It's about setting a table where love, not self-interest, is the main course. Imagine that. The main course at every table should be love, (laughs) not self-interest. Let us love others enough to care about them before insisting on our own way. We should balance knowledge with love. We should consider the impact of our actions. We shouldn't, or we should learn to choose love over personal freedom. And we should let love set the table. Let's pray. Loving God, grant us the wisdom to navigate life's choices with a discerning heart. Help us to balance knowledge with compassion, to prioritize love over personal desires and to always consider the impact of our actions on those around us. Let our love be a testament to you. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friend, have a great and blessed day in the Lord. Here's your call to action. Be a mindful traveler in the marketplace of life, choosing acts of love and consideration over self-indulgence. Receive my love and my thanks to God for you. I love you and I thank God for you. I pray you pass this on to someone if you've been blessed. Push the like button, the subscribe button, the thumbs up button, whatever is offered there for you to show that you've been blessed, do it so that we can bless others. We want to win the world for Jesus Christ. I love you. Amen.